Tag me and brother. Brother. Tag me and brother. We're not going to tag each other right now because what's going to happen is that the sound it'll make will be terrible. Well, what I was going to do is I was going to pretend. I was going to be like, tag me and brother. And then I was going to... That's exactly what we just did together. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tag. Oh, yeah. So I was thinking like, and we're just workshopping this here, right? When I would do I Hate Wrestling, my previous podcast, I would just sort of start in media res like in mid-sentence or whatever, and then just sort of do, hey, welcome to I Hate Wrestling, the the wrestling show where uh, uh, points don't matter or whatever it was. And uh, I don't know how it's, how it's going to go. I guess uh, this is uh, Tag Me In, Brother, a pro wrestling podcast, because we're a team. We're right? a team. You and I were partners yes. on this. I own 51%, you own 49 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're partners. I don't know. You're using, a, you're using a, a, a pseudonym this time around, right? Yeah, I haven't decided what that's going to be yet. Because the original was so good. The original was so good. I don't know why you wouldn't just go with the original. Did we ever say my name on the original? On the original? Uh, yeah, many many times. Many times. Never, never my last name, though. No, never your last name. We talked about my profession, though. Yes. It's terrible. Yeah, well, we're not going to do that. Well, yeah, I, work at, I work at, uh, um, uh, what's that place called? Spencer's. Spencer's. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Dale. Dale from Spencer's? Dale from Spencer's. What's that, Dale? <laughs> It doesn't matter. Let's talk about why we're doing this podcast. I think the, the, you know, the idea behind this show is we want to look at some of the stuff, and there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in pro wrestling that just kind of gets accepted. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that's just how wrestling is. Okay, but why? I, I wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper and, and look into what's the tradition? What is the history? Like, I want to know who the first guy to get hit with a steel chair was. Like, why are steel chairs the... The weapon of choice. The weapon of choice, right? The iconic pro wrestling weapon. Mm -hmm. I want to look at pro wrestling on sitcoms, because if a sitcom runs long enough, there's a pro wrestling episode. There was a a pro wrestling episode of that 70s show, and Married with Children, and Family Matters. And Fuller House. Fuller House, yeah. Which I don't watch. I I want that to be known. I do not like Fuller House. I love it. <laughs> Break stand. Yeah. You take the stand. These tropes of wrestling, or yeah, or these things that come back around. I want. I want to do an episode about referees. Why do we have to have a referee in there if he's not going to enforce the rules? What are the rules of pro wrestling? Why are these the rules of pro wrestling? The, the rules of pro pro wrestling. At some mm-hmm. point, that has to be a podcast out of itself, to itself. Because when you start watching wrestling, yeah, they don't explain much of anything. No. It's DQs, disqualifications, countouts. Right. You need a three to win. Yep. Three, uh, uh, submission or a three count. And like, that's it. Like, I didn't know, we'll say this for later, that there's like a rule when you're tagging, you can't interrupt more than like twice in a WWE tag match. Right, yeah. They have a rule book about it, but... Yeah, I didn't know that, watching yeah. it. Like, in WWE, allegedly, if you break up a pinfall more than two times, you'll be disqualified. Had no goddamn idea. Has, I've never seen it happen. 
And I know I've seen people fucking language who have. Uh, it's explicit. It's fine. Who've interrupted a? You know what I mean? Like that's not a real rule, but it is. You're right. Pro wrestling always seems to assume that everyone who's watching understands the rules of pro wrestling. You don't have to explain shit to anybody. Pro wrestling has been sort of going on uninterrupted, following its own rules for what seems like a hundred years, right? And probably is something like a hundred years. Probably hundred years. Because yeah. um, it goes back to the the carnival circuit. Carnies. Yeah, carnies exactly. Carniasada. <laughs> um, what's funny about that is. There's certain things they completely ignore, like the rules. Right. Uh, unless when it's convenient, they need to do it. The the thing they always explain and beat over their head is the names of the wrestlers. This yes. is exclusively a WWE problem, which, well, by the way, is our... So, yeah, that's our episode topic, right? Today yeah. we're going to talk about uh, a very rich vein, the many and various vagaries of WWE booking. Yes. So we're the, you know this show is not necessarily for the layperson. This is for the uh, this is for the the wrestling fan. But for just Mark and his friend. For yeah, Mark and his other friend Mark. Yeah. But let's just lay it out. Booking is how the storylines are put together. Yes. Right. How the shows are built week to week. How micro narratives weave into regular narratives. Yeah. Weave into meta narratives. Mm-hmm putting together of a storyline, the whole running of a promotion in general. Yes. That's booking. Mm-hmm. And WWE has a very specific style of booking. And for the last almost 10 years now, and we can disagree and we might disagree about when exactly it started to get really bad, but it has been really bad for a long time. And the fact that we can't just very easily pinpoint when it started going bad is probably in itself a very bad sign. Because there, there's been glimmers of bad booking, right? It's yeah, not there's like always it was been... always great, and then in 2008, it got real bad. It, 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 it hasn't been like that, but... There's always been bad booking, and bad booking is not... Uh, is AEW not has bad booking. Yeah, sometimes. WWE booking, um, I think, you know... How do you want to do this? We're going to talk about, like, the t- where we both think it really got bad, or do we want to talk about recent examples of horrible WWE booking? Well, I guess we should start by saying, like, you know, the problems that they have specifically, like the endemic problems that they have. If you've ever played a WWE video game, they have, like, the season mode or the GM mode, whatever you want to call it, where they build these rivalries. And that honestly feels like how WWE television goes. Like, you start a rivalry, and then these two characters aren't allowed to interact with any other characters until their rivalry is resolved. And they will keep wrestling each other over and over again, just sort of trading wins back and forth, back and forth, ad infinitum, for no real reason. They're supposed to be set up and pay off and blow off of a feud, right? The idea is you set up a conflict, you give people a reason to want to see these characters wrestle each other. You build up to the match, and after the match, the storyline is resolved. Or if it's not, you move the story on in such a way that the end of the first match informs the second match. Right? And usually, if you don't end it after one match, you end it after three, right? Because it's a best two out of three situation. Somebody moves on as the winner of the feud, somebody else has lost the feud. It's a pretty basic idea, right? 
For some reason, WWE doesn't seem to grasp this because people will just wrestle each other over and over again and it'll be like... I think the worst example was that endless feud between Alberto Del Rio and Sheamus. Do you remember that? Where they wrestled each other Honestly, like nine can... pay-per-views in a row? I, dude... And Sheamus I... won like every match? Can, okay, so... Yes, I do remember that. But when you were teeing up your suggestion, I thought of like three other ones. Okay, yeah, that's why that's why we're doing this. There was a week, uh, this was maybe 2019, 2018, I believe it was like Bobby Lashley and Elias, uh-huh. like every week on TV. Yeah. And it wasn't pay-per-view, it was just you know, weekly TV, which is even worse. Um, and I don't even know who won, it doesn't matter. Probably Lashley, for sure. Probably, yeah, right? <laughs> maybe Elias got like a uh, DQ win in there, but uh, that's another issue with WWE booking. But it was it was that I'm thinking about about the obviously the Cena and Randy, Kofi and Sheamus, or Kofi, Kofi and, and Ziggler. Kofi and Ziggler. That's it. Sheamus and anybody honestly just like feels like it never ends. Yeah, I don't know why. I like Sheamus. Sheamus is really good. He's a good wrestler. But Sheamus, I don't know what it is about him, but they put Sheamus into a storyline and he will wrestle a guy. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. For like six months. <laughs> So the question of, like, timing. Like, when did this... When did the wheels go off the uh, off the road, right? I look back, and my measure of this is, in my mind, who is the last main event tippy-top guy that had the audience and, and maybe had the office, and hopefully had the office. And Roman, I guess, is the answer, but that took many years. So I'm going to say that my answer is 2014. 2014. Yeah. You're thinking about Brian. I'm thinking about Brian and the Shield. Okay. And in particular, when the Shield broke up. Because to me, that exposed WWE booking like a lot. Because you had three guys. They were all, I think, equally over when, by the time they broke up. The Shield deserves its own episode. Because yeah. the fact that the Shield was booked so well is such an anomaly. Yes. It's rare that they can even get a tag team where both guys are over at the end of it mm-hmm. to have a three-man unit where all three guys feel like legitimate stars after the team has broken up yep. is a testament to their talent and an unusual degree of competency in handling that team. Yeah. You saw these three guys you know, basically branch out into singles and like each, each individual was handled in a interesting way right uh seth is the heel should he have been ambrose was the baby face but was like always losing right and roman was the protected guy and i don't know about you i would have swapped those roles how would you how would you have booked it you want seth as the baby face i think seth is the baby face roman does a turn roman as the heel roman as the heel and dean is the I guess the tweener, but more so like the lone wolf guy. Right. Where he's he's crazy, but he's he's winning, and he's not always a baby face, he's not always a heel, and that's part of the unpredictability, okay? And Roman needed to be uh, protected, because he, I mean, of, of the inner rank, he was like the weakest, uh, introduced probably as well at the time. So pairing him with... Was the, the authority right? Just makes perfect sense. He is the office guy, right? If you want to play in that meta realm, he's he's big, like physically, he's he's the 
he fits the bill. He's the most imposing of the three. Yeah, and you give him time to, you know, to basically percolate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a year down the road when it's WrestleMania 31, and you want him as the guy to maybe beat Lesnar. Right. Lesnar's maybe the babyface at that point. Or at least a tweener. Right. And, you know, you're off to the races. And and what ended up happening was, and this is why I think 2014-2015 the year the years I chose, is they showed the audience, here's what we really like. Here's the guy who's like, he's okay, which is like Rollins. <laughs> and then Ambrose is just some guy. He, he's always going to be the, the loser of the bunch. There's a Dean Ambrose episode here somewhere. But Ambrose and like how they, I think it's the Shield in general, but like, the Ambrose uh, treatment is is kind of, a, in many ways, like emblematic of the problem, right? You have a guy who, this happens a lot, not so much anymore because no one's hot, but uh, you have a guy who's, who's hot with the audience, he can wrestle, he's a good talker, he's not the office, office's choice, so they grit their teeth, maybe they'll push him for a little bit, but they'll beat him, he's never at the level the audience wants him to be at. And, and eventually what happens is when they get around to pushing him, like if you assume that the money in the bank cash in is when, them, when they try to push him, it's not that hot. Right. Um, and so eventually, that, you know, this is another topic. Uh, he decides he doesn't want to resign. Right. Um, so for me, it's 2014, 2015, because in the same time frame, you have Kevin Owens come up. Uh, NXT is also like booming at this point. So you start seeing the call-ups happen. And they get maybe two, three good weeks out of them. And then the booking is what fails them. So, yeah, that's my answer. If you remain flexible and committed to performing, committed to booking to your performer's strengths, you're going to wind up with more stars and bigger stars no matter what. Yeah. And there are examples of that, you know, throughout the intervening years. But you start to come up against things like refusing to turn John Cena. You run up against things like CM Punk getting into this really hot angle in 2011 and then not wanting to go with Punk all the way, seemingly. Yeah. And you start to see them get more and more inflexible. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's the plan. Here's who we want in this role. Seems going to be the top babyface, even if people are not. How long did we live through Cena as a top babyface that roughly forty percent of the audience didn't want? I started watching wrestling again in two thousand eight, and he was being booed then. So two thousand five is when he became world champion, yeah. and people started to really react negatively okay. to... Um, I mean, he was, he was very hot in 2004 as U.S. champion, sure. as the doctor of thugonomics, right? And when he becomes the the focus, right? The top baby face, the face that runs the place, the yeah. champ that runs the camp, right? Okay, AJ. In that role, he starts to get serious pushback. Mm-hmm. And Cena seems like the first time that they were like, no, no. we are not going to... Because, the, I, mean, I mean, there are other metrics to go by, mm-hmm. right? The audience reaction is certainly one of them, and I think probably is one you should listen to. But, you know, he was selling merch. Correct. His ratings were, his TV ratings were good. 
Uh, did all the make it like there are reasons that you wouldn't have turned him? I'm not even saying that you necessarily have to turn Cena. Yeah. I'm saying that you have to do something other than what you're doing with Cena, and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that I think was the signal that going forward we are not going to. Well, we know better than you. We know better than you, right? We're not going to cater to what the audience wants to yes. see. But of course, that's the whole conceit of professional wrestling, right? It's the appeal. It, it tickles the same parts of your brain that get tickled by professional sports. Yes. The glory of victory, the agony of defeat, whatever the fuck, right? But also, we control the outcome. Yes. So we can give you what you want. We're gonna, and I don't want to make it sound benevolent, right? Because it's a business. They're trying to make money. We're gonna give you what you want, but we are going to design it in such a way that you're going to pay us the maximum amount of yeah. money, and we're gonna try to, we're gonna charge you for catharsis. It's that's a, a that's a business of pro wrestling. Manipulation, of course. Like, yeah. We, it's a, it should be a Jedi mind trick, right? Like, you want this, right? We want it, but you want it. Yeah. And so we're gonna make you think that you want it. Now, fortunately. With with the case of like a I guess John Cena and John Cena now is fine like I don't think anyone really hates the guy he's not in W he's not in the company really um, he's fine now but unless you're the government of China yes um, but for what well, I guess either our numbers are slightly different I think 2008 2016 you think about 2005 ish till roughly 2016 it sounds like so for, for ten years or so. He was a, a polarizing figure, at least 50%. Right. Right? And, which I think there's something interesting about that. Like, there are times in, 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 in big matches they did play on it. That he is Rob Van Dam, Rob, CM Punk. Rob Van Dam, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan yep. in 2013. AJ Styles. AJ Styles. Like, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Like, there are, it is a good angle to take. With, with a guy who's not going to turn heel. But what ended up happening was he demolished and ran through a bunch of guys who maybe they couldn't be the next John Cena, but like Wade Barrett could have been a very prominent main eventer, but they stopped and started with him. And he lost all the big matches to John Cena. And there's a storyline there. Mm-hmm. You could have turned... Seen a heel then they didn't right um, but that you know the, the sort of like r- rigidity in the booking of like mm, no we're not doing that um, to the what do you, what do you think that causes with the audience I think it causes burnout I think it discourages the audience from becoming invested in storylines or invested in characters yes. I think um, Dolph Ziggler is an example of this. Dolph Ziggler is a guy who, for years, fans were, and a lot of fans, casual fans and smart fans, right, were really behind Dolph Ziggler. He was, everybody thought he was going to break out, he was going to be a big star, and he never did. And he never will, which is unfortunate. Um, No matter where he goes, he never will. No, we have, like, the iron is... Ice cold. Like, there's no point in striking. I don't think there's an iron. No, there's not an iron anymore. But they had a number of chances with Dolph Ziggler to do something with Dolph Ziggler. Mm -hmm. Right? And they chose not to. And 
And that's happened with a number of guys. You know, why would you get invested in this character if you are sure that the people writing the show are never going to be invested in the character? Yes. And, and on TV, we'll put those people in angles that humiliate them. Right? Like, this is the, the, the very WWE uh, um, tact that they take is if they don't like you and then don't like the audience, they don't like that the audience likes you, they will put you in situations where you look horrible. Yeah, instead like, of just firing you. Or just they, keeping you off TV. Right. They will go out of their way to humili- humiliate you. Which, again, if we're talking about what, what, does, what message does this send to the audience and what ends up happening with that audience is there's an adversarial relationship with the company. You, you know, I, don't, I know you. We don't support the company in any meaningful way. I don't buy WWE shirts. I don't buy pay-per-views. I don't have the network. I don't pay for it. Um, so you take these performers who are very real people, and like this is the other part about wrestling twenty in the twenty twenties is there's a personal uh, uh, attachment, I guess, to these wrestlers like as people, and so you see a guy on TV. Like Dolph Ziggler, granted this was like 2014 or so, he's a guy who works hard. Uh, the fans like him. They beat him like a drum so that you don't care anymore. That causes a little bit of resentment towards the company. So then, you know, here we are in 2021, and, you know, the viewership is what it is, and the investment is, is near the lowest I can remember. So, you know, what do we do? Like, how do we fix this? Because there's, there's so many things about the book that we haven't talked about. We should probably get to. But, like, this isn't that hard. Like, AEW shows is not hard. NXT, uh, uh, up until recently, could show it, could show you how to care about a promotion, about a, a, a roster of wrestlers. Um, let, let's go through some of the, the classic WWE I guess, booking tropes or booking problems. All right, so number one off the top of my head is the distraction Mm roll-up, which is where somebody is in the ring, they have the match won, Mm -hmm. somebody's music hits, the person in the ring stops paying attention, they stand up, they face the the entrance ramp and start yelling, usually with their arms out to their sides, and then their opponent rolls them up and they get pinned for a three count. This happens every week, sometimes multiple times per week. Uh, I've not watched a wrestling WWE show in a long time, but I listen to the podcast, and I can tell you that it happens several times a show. <laughs> probably several times during a, sing- a single match. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but yes, probably. Yes, yeah, they've done that weird stuff. And this is something that's been a problem for a long time. Um, and it's a problem with a lot of modern wrestling. Personally, I think there are, on paper... You know, a dozen ways for a match to end. Disqualification, time limit draw, Mm -hmm. double count out, single count out, uh, referee decision. Yep. uh, Some guy passing out. Yep. uh, Pass out, stoppage. Yep. Like a medical stoppage. Mm -hmm. Pinfall, submission. And pinfalls and submissions should not only come from people's, you know, branded finishing maneuver. Yes. I think those should be death blows, uh-huh. for sure. I don't want yeah. people kicking out of finishers, but sure. I think 
if you hit somebody with a superplex, that should be enough to win a match on free TV. Yeah. There's a uniformity in, in not just WWE, because AEW is guilty of this as well, but uniformity of like how a match is won. Yes. Won. So, um, in New Japan, uh, I haven't watched New Japan in a while, but you know there there's a series of matches I would watch at some point, because I was in 2016, where they don't win with the finisher. Like, you might get it, but it's like a series of moves... It's like an onslaught, and then the guy loses. And I think, actually, that's a preferred method for me as a fan is, wow, that guy looks really dominant. Yeah. He's, like, knocked off, like, six moves, and the guy, and the guy lost, and he didn't even touch his finisher. A lot of times, and even if you do hit a finisher in New Japan, a lot of times somebody will hit a finisher, like, three-quarters of the way through a match, yeah. and it'll get two. And then they'll string together a number of big moves and cap it off with a finish at the end and then get the three. Mm -hmm. Kota Ibushi would hit like like a double power bomb yeah. and then the, the Kamigoye and then yeah. it was like, okay, he got it. It, it makes it look much more brutal and it's mm -hmm. not like, okay, well he hit his move and now the match is over. It, this is why I said WWE booking sometimes feels like the video game booking because mm -hmm. it's like, well, there's, a you know, there's only a set number of ways that a match could end. Yeah. When theoretically there are literally endless ways a match can end. It's, a, it's an athletic contest, mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying I want somebody, I want a match on every show to end a medical stoppage because mm -hmm. somebody gets a groin pull in the middle of the match, mm -hmm. but you can do ref stoppages. You can do... I mean, you can throw in the towel. That's the you other... Can throw, yeah, you can throw I in mean, the towel. AEW's done it a couple of times with like MJF and Taz. Right. Where, and, you know, it, it branches off to another story as well. Like, you can... Right. Nice possibilities there. That, and that's a, thank you for saying that because that's without even consciously making the connection, this is the problem. There are only a certain number of stories you can tell, so of course there are only a certain number of ways to get there. Yeah. When in fact, there are an infinite number of stories that you can tell. Yeah. So also there should be an infinite number of ways to piece those stories together. Yeah. It should be a branching yeah. tree of events. It shouldn't just be a linear yeah. progression. Well, what I wanted to say earlier when I think we were talking about, like, um, maybe, uh, Ziggler or Sheamus, I was thinking, well, you know, what's really, a, what's, what's, you know, what's really happening here? And I'm like, well, what are the stories they want to tell? And in AEW, because that's, like, the biggest competitor in the U.S., right. they have, you know, there is no, every story is different. And there, I think there are actual stories when I think about WWE, I and I, I, I think about them a lot, I can't think of what the stories they're trying to tell are. Like, we'll use a... Um, this goes back to a, a previous point you made, too. But the Hangman, Adam Page storyline. Mm -hmm. Which, at this point, has gone on for a couple of years. Right. Where he didn't want to, be, want to be in the Elite. He wasn't even in EVP. He... I don't think he wanted to even be in a tag team. But he's in the tag team with Kenny. They're successful. He's clearly dealing with a drinking habit during yeah. this, which is, is, you know, he's depressed. Uh -huh. um, he loses not only his friend, but he loses his belt. Uh -huh. And his friend goes on to single success. And now he's trying to find either where, where he falls, right? If he's, in, if he's in the dark order, is he alone? What's his deal? Right. Uh, still drinking. And he loses, he loses a Kenny a year ago in uh, full gear, right? The story's not done. We know they're going to go back to it. And, and that will probably be an all-out full gear about a year later. 
And WWE, what's the, the Cesaro story? This is our. What is what is the Brian Danielson? Right. What was his story going into? They had an idea, which was this might be my last mania. It was very unclear what was going on there. He has the match, doesn't win, loses again to Roman, and he's gone, which is fine if he's gone. But what is the end game with Roman? Because that is, and if Kenny's the the AEW Roman, right? I think that's fair to say. What is the what's the Roman Roman doing? Because it doesn't seem like there's anyone being built up. I think it's Big E. I think you're very optimistic about that one. I don't think it's happening. Um, but what are we doing? What are we doing with Roman? And and so again, the the question becomes. What are the stories they're trying to tell? And, and, and this requires some long-term booking of like, here's where we want to go. Here's, let's reverse engineer this. Come up with um, plans if someone gets injured. If someone get, gets hot. They don't really do that. Right. If someone gets hot, they may be featured on TV a little bit more. But they'll like lose and like they'll never beat Roman. Right. In fact, what they'll do, this is a big WWE problem. Uh, and AEW doesn't have this issue as much, which is like, they'll put two guys who shouldn't lose in a match. Right. And some guy, like, if they if there is a clean finish, some guy loses, and then like they kind of give up on them shortly after. Like you said, it's about reverse engineering, right? You know where you want to get, but then you have to actually get there. Mm-hmm. You can't decide that this is where you are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's use uh, CM Punk. Okay. Because I'm a mark. The initial plan was... He cuts the promo. He'll be a heel. He'll lose to John Cena, Chicago, and that'll be that. That's the plan. So, promos of success. To their credit, they go with it and Punk wins the title. Summer Punk, blah, 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 blah. Right? So, reversing, reverse engineering that would be this. We're doing Rocket Cena 1 in 2012 at that mania. Punk gets on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you should still do Rock and Cena 1. Right. It's, I mean, it's called Once in a Lifetime for a reason, right? Yes. You're only going to have so many opportunities to do this match. Yes. So, all right. Do we want John Cena to be champion in that match? He doesn't need to be, for sure. So, they, they, he's not the champion in that match, right? It ends up being, it's Punk and Jericho. So, when I say reverse engineering, what I'm really talking about is, okay, so, that's the top match there with Cena and Rock, no title. If Punk is hot now... And we want to put the title on him, and he's still the champion at Mania. Who's his opponent? It was Jericho. That's it was fine. Like, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. Fine. The following year, Punk is still your your what your what one B. Yeah. Right. Like behind Cena, behind I think he was in front of Randy at the time. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, the following Mania, which is twenty thirteen, he gets off this run, uh, a year and a half, a year plus title reign. What do we want to do with them? Well, I don't think they have any real idea. No, of course not. They say, all right, well, Taker needs an opponent. Yeah. They don't even talk about the fucking storyline, which is they both have streaks. Yes. They don't touch it at all. It's us, all right, Punk your champion. We have uh, Taker's here, so you guys will have a good match. That'll be that. So Punk talks about this later on. I lose to Rock. I lose to Taker. At least to Brock. I lost a Hunter. And, like, what do you have for me? And it, that's one of the biggest issues is 
outside of like a couple of people, like your your John Cena's or Randy's or Romans, they don't have anything for anybody. As you say, Punk was one B. Yep. And at certain points, he was outselling Cena in terms of merch, right? That's what they say. He was outselling Cena despite the fact he had like half the, the merch designs. Yep. Because Cena would have like a different shirt sure. every month. So when someone gets hot, you figure them into the plants. Right. That should be the goal. And if they stop being hot, then you figure it out. Like maybe you try to reheat them, maybe you take them on TV, maybe you 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 get them away from the plants. Fine. The but, problem is when somebody's hot and you don't expect it, and you don't want to change your plans, so you try to cool them off. Brian? Brian, yeah, yes. exactly. Which is the next the next thing. I think they did it with Punk. They did it with Punk. I think um, with Triple H especially, right? This was a guy who was hotter, than, and they didn't want him to be hot. He wasn't... They weren't comfortable with him having the influence that he had, having the, the power that he had. Yes. Being as over as he was because he wasn't the guy that they had wanted but, in that role. And to be fair, Phil Brooks seems like a nightmare, a nightmare to work with. with. Yes, absolutely. I'll grant you that. Not that somebody being a nightmare to work with has prevented them from being all in with somebody before. Sure. Shawn Michaels. Hogan. Hogan. For Christ's sake, can you really tell me that Punk is worse than Hogan? I mean, I know one way they're not. You know, <laughs> CM Punk was hot. I get wanting to minimize the amount of influence that he has if he's difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. But by all accounts, Daniel Bryan is a sweetheart. A dream to work with. We love Brian Danielson. We house. love Brian Danielson in this house, right? And for whatever reason, they don't. They don't see again. This is this is a a new, uniquely WWE thing. It feels like is there's people that they like, mm-hmm. but they don't love, and so they'll give you some stuff. Like you'll get the Mania main event eventually, right? But. They like sabotage them. Like they sabotage talent in that they give them, put them in storylines or uh, feuds that they can't possibly believe in either. You know, you know that Kane is not. No, absolutely a, not. Is not a top shelf opponent. In he's not. It's in, like there is no uh, maybe. Like he's just not. In ninety seven. Fine. In 97, when he's red hot. Hell, yeah. Fine. Get it? Yes. Hot. Um, but in 2014, Kane was surely not a yeah. top opponent, he, despite his history with Brian. That's a they, match you can do on a, a Raw that you build up, like how AEW will do sometimes, is, hey, we know this is not like a pay-per-view caliber match, but there's some storyline of like it, it's a good story maybe. And you say want to you're gonna you're gonna do a match, of, you know, a Raw in the UK or something like that, yeah. and you want to do a larger than average yeah. main event. Fine, you can build to it. But and you know what? You could even do that as a pay per view match, but it shouldn't be his post WrestleMania feud, right? There's no way to build momentum there. I think there's there, there's it. something to be said for having a variety of opponents. And I think Kane is a perfectly valid challenger for Daniel Bryan, especially because of their history in Team Hell No. Right? I think you could make that interesting. But on his face, Kane is not a viable world championship contender in 2014. 
in the same way that when Kofi Kingston finally won the world championship mm -hmm. from Daniel Bryan, by the way, his first big challenger was Dolph Ziggler. It should, it should have been me? Yes. Okay. Which is an interesting story because we talked before about Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler and how they were stuck for years as kind of, you know, other guys came and... guys. Yeah, perennial mid-card guys. And yeah. other, other guys came and went, but those two guys were kind of the constants of the mid-card, right? And they traded the Intercontinental and U.S. titles back and forth seemingly hundreds of times, right? So... And with Dolph Ziggler being somebody that was never really able to break through, mm -hmm. Kofi Kingston was, it makes perfect sense for Dolph Ziggler to rear his head and say, you know, I've beaten you. I know you better than anybody else has. If anybody can take this title away from you, it's me. That makes perfect sense as a story. Yes. However... The fact that Dolph Ziggler has had so many aborted pushes made it clear that it was just there to fill time. And isn't that always the way, I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. You know, when you don't have a plan, uh -huh. when you don't have a plan, that's what you wind up with. Well, who are these stories for, right? The stories that they put real effort in mm -hmm. usually revolve around your Brock Lesnar's, your Randy's, your Cena's, your Roman's. Now, I, I mean, I guess Seth, but like, even Seth, I don't feel like... They like the guy, obviously. They like him a lot. But I don't think they think of, like, all right, in, in a year, we're going to have Seth Rollins be, like, the guy. Or everything, all, all signs, all things point back to Seth. That's not what they do. And, which is, like, not necessarily a bad thing, but then, like, no one has any, like, no one has direction. Again, like, you know, do the AEW comparison stuff, like, from the moment Moxley came in, mm -hmm. there is a direction there. And, like, do they adjust when they need to? Yeah, sure, whatever. But Moxley has a story. Omega, Paige, the Young Bucks, Cody. These guys all have stories. And to your point about something you said earlier, like, people interact with other people. It's not just, well, Cody, Cody will only ever interact with QT Marshall. Right. For the next couple of months. No. He's interacting with whoever. Mm-hmm. And he's doing whatever. And that, that, I think, creates like a, a lively program. It feels like a living ecosystem of It's, it's of a world that, that's lived in, right? Yes. Raw, uh, WWE does not feel like that. Like, fucking, and it, this always gets brought up, right? Like, how come these, like, tag team partners don't talk until, like, the Monday that they're <laughs> right. on TV? Like, you get my tag... Like, there's none of that. <laughs> right, and it's always, like... I'm going to come out and clear the air about what happened last week. What? Didn't you share a rental car after the show? You know, we've been, <laughs> we've been in quarantine for like a year. Like, y'all Zoom, right? Like, yeah. What is going on? But, I mean, those are more, I mean, they're not really booking problems, but they are uniquely WWE issues where things don't feel like how real life would be. They believe because they've, they've been successful doing what they've done means that they are right, that is the right the right approach, even though probably like things change. Taste things change. Really change, yeah. Um, I mean and it's funny that they would they would insist that they want to do things a certain way, despite the fact that they are not. They're objectively not doing what they were doing when things were good. What they say they've done isn't really what they were doing. Or they did it in much smaller doses. Like these sort of like this is your life segment. This is your life 
type of segments with like Foley and Rock. They look at that and think we're like the masters of this type of segment, which is like, well, there's a there's a big gap between Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Alexa Bliss. Very inconsistent character. I hate it. Uh, but that's another episode down the road. Um, but they look at those segments and think, oh, well, well, we can do more of these, and like they're going to be successful. And sometimes they are, and some a lot of times they're not. Uh, again, the, the Bailey one is mm-hmm. terrible. They mostly feel like they involve the Miz, but there's so many of these like segments that like that are bad. They're bad TV. Uh, well, they're not if reflected in the viewership in the moment. I think long term, as a as a viewer of wrestling, I don't want to see that, so I don't watch it. Yeah, there there's a degree of well, we've done this before. We're the masters of it. We were successful, and 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 the the difficult thing is, there there are a number of fans who buy into that. If WWE does it, then it must be of a certain quality. This is what I, I sort of picked up from talking to people as well. Even the bad stuff in WWE is better than somewhere else is bad stuff. It's, re- is, it's recursive reasoning, right? Yeah. WWE is the top promotion in the world, so if they do it in WWE, it must be top shelf stuff. Yeah. Let's be honest here. If they if they did, uh, what's a really great AEW idea that they've done? Um, the, 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 the whipping, the lashes. Yes, okay, yes. Because that was like, objectively great. That was so, a great segment. It was... It was like a 20-minute segment. Yes. And all that happened was one guy hit another guy with a belt ten times. Yeah. I, I'm sure there are dub dub e stands uh-huh. who, like, this is, like, the worst shit ever. <laughs> but God knows that they did this shit on Raw, and it was Roman and Jey Uso. That's mm-hmm. down, I guess. You get my point. Yeah. Uh, it would be heralded. Yeah. By these same people. This is so great. They brought in Afa and Sika and da, 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 da. It's like, it's the same fucking thing. Like, one company has ideas out of the box. And the other company doesn't. Or at least they don't go with them. The Cody and Dustin match with Double or Nothing, which I wasn't, like, at the time, not a big fan of. That's a lot of blood. But that was a criticism, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is too violent. This is this. Uh, we don't like it. But that match happened in WWE with... Roman and Cena, right, or whoever, it would be like Harold. Like I can't believe they did this. It was it. so real, so visceral. Yeah. So there's a there is that thing with their viewership. Maybe the ones that still watch, right? The, who are straight up indoctrinated, because yes. they have been putting on. We've been talking about this bad booking now for yes. a while. Yeah. Right. Whether Not bad bunny, by the way. Bad, bad bunny is okay. Bad bunny did a great job in WrestleMania. Time. But listen, however you want to slice it. Things have been bad for like 10 years. It's been bad for a long time. I can't remember the last time it was good on a regular basis. So... Um, I have an idea, by the way, when it was like kind of decent. Which is? It was SmackDown. I believe it was when... It was the time that AJ was champion. Okay. Like, was... Those SmackDowns were rock and rolling. I mean, modern SmackDown's pretty good. Yeah. But well, that, that, I, there's a period of time that I remember, like when AJ was champ, it was really good. But even if uh, you have to count Raw and SmackDown together, right? Because it's the same company, right? So if you average them together, Do we have to? <laughs> if you average them together, when was the last time both weekly shows were good? Uh, two thousand. <laughs> I think two thousand 
2005, 2000. Okay. Anyway, look, it doesn't matter. Years. So, I mean, I think we could actually probably say 11 years because 2010 was the Nexus. Mm-hmm. And that should have been... Nexus was red hot. Red hot. And and they they uh, really did not get did not do well with that. So, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, the angles that I can remember, like, 2010, the Nexus, it's over. I even like the stupid song, mm-hmm. We're One. Mm-hmm. Um, and Big Skip Sheffield mark. Huge mark for Skip. Um, Tarver. I actually did like Michael Tarver. But anyways, the point is, is they uh, they lose, which they should have lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, who in that who in that group at the moment any is anywhere? Brian's not wrestling at the moment. He's, he's not signed anywhere. Wade Barrett's on commentary. Commentary. Otunga is somewhere, but not nowhere at the same right. time. All the other guys are gone. Slater's in Impact. Yeah. So, Justin Gabriel's in Ring of Honor? Er, yeah. <laughs> so, the ten guys, and the only guy who ended up being anything was the guy that you fired. And right. who, who on the NXT, the weekly show, which is actually my point here, is that you had a weekly game show. Yes. Where you treated pro wrestling as a joke. And the guys you didn't like... Got humiliated. Got humiliated. And they straight up had people on commentary saying, answer your critics, Daniel Bryan. Why do you suck so bad? Yeah. Do you agree with the fact that you suck and you're not good enough to be on WWE TV? And then they put the fucking mic in his face. And it was it was really bad. It goes back to, so I don't mean to interrupt, but like something my Lord and Savior, Phil Brooks, said, mm-hmm. if you don't think I'm good enough, fire me. Like, why do you have... I mean, I get you need a talent roster. But like, if you don't believe in someone... Right. And you haven't believed in them for like eight years, let's say, or four years. Just let them go. You're right. wasting money. Right. In your eyes, you're wasting money. And, you know, just like the, the moral implication of keeping someone... Uh, and I know they're financially paid well, blah, 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 I get it. But to keep someone in your house without any hope of, like, moving up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you pay them. But, like, you crush their confidence, right. theoretically. Uh, you probably cause them anxiety and depression based on their situation. Yeah. Like, if you don't believe in the people you, you sign, what are you doing? Right. Why are you signing them? And I think it's fair to say there's a difference between recognizing that somebody has limitations. Because not everybody's going to be a world champion. Right? Somebody like Heath Slater was on TV... For like 10 years and always used pretty well. Like he was a comedy act, but he was a comedy wrestler. He was a funny dude. Mm -hmm. Like they're playing to his strengths, right? Heath Slater was never going to be world champion. I think that's, I think he realized that. I think everybody realized that. Mm -hmm. So what I disagree with is when you have a performer that the audience likes more than you do. So you attempt to convince the audience that, that they're, they're wrong, wrong about yes. that performer. Instead of just acknowledging that, okay, agree to disagree. I don't get the appeal, yeah. but he's got something. I don't see, like, just like we're talking about with Randy Orton. Like, Randy Orton's not for me. I recognize a lot of people like Randy Orton. Randy Orton's a draw, I guess, right? He sells merch, right? Who the fuck is wearing a Randy Orton t- 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 t-shirt? <laughs> Tell me. I, I don't was, know. I see nobody with him. <laughs> 
My point is, there have been Randy Orton t-shirts. There have been many Randy Orton t-shirts. Theoretically, people are buying them, right? No, i People like Randy Orton. Okay. People like Randy Orton. I don't necessarily. I'm not a fan. Jeff Hardy's another example, you right? I hate Jeff. I just don't get Jeff. Uh, Jeff Hardy's not for me. But I recognize that some people love Jeff Hardy. If I'm a wrestling promoter, mm-hmm. I want Jeff Hardy on my roster because people fucking love Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to feature Jeff Hardy. So what I'm not going to do is have Jeff Hardy on my show and then tell the audience that they're wrong for liking Jeff Hardy, which is what they did with Daniel Bryan. Vince McMahon got in Matt Stryker's ear on live television and was like... I was also guilty of this. But to his face, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Stryker puts a microphone in Daniel Bryan's face and is like, what's it like to be a huge piece of shit? Yeah. And Daniel Bryan has to answer... That is trash. That yeah. is garbage. And I can't believe That's they did That's an awful working environment. Yeah. They Your also... boss is, is through channels letting you know what he thinks of you. I can't think of any other company where they go out of their way to humiliate not just the talent, but the audience for liking said. The problem is that it's top-down, right? Uh, on the Arn show. You know, I love Arn. Mm-hmm. Arn uses this phrase, uh, they cut off his water. Meaning they decided to stop cultivating somebody. Mm-hmm. And he talks about it all the time. And people will call will, you know, call into the show or write into the show and, and be like, what happened with Damien Sandow? Mm-hmm. Or what happened with Ken Kennedy? Or what happened with Carlito? Mm-hmm. Who were guys that seemed poised to be doing yeah. big things. Mm-hmm. Right? And Arn always just kind of shrugs and goes, they cut his water off. Meaning, they decided to withhold television time, exposure, and support. Yes. Right? And I think the problem is, when you do that, it's not like you can just, to follow the metaphor, sure. you can't just turn the water back on. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if you're trying to raise a plant... You can't just not water it for years, then decide you want the plant back and turn on the water. The plant is dead. Mm-hmm. It died because you didn't cultivate it. You didn't take care of it, and it died on the vine, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what happens with WWE sometimes, where they wait too long, and they try to just turn the water back on and be like, okay, well, now we're going yeah. to go with it. It's like, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You have to at least cultivate it and keep it healthy mm-hmm. and then maybe later you start to go for a whole fucking gardening metaphor here yeah. maybe all of a sudden you start putting miracle grow on it yeah right because things start to grow but you have to keep it it has to be healthy it has to be living it has to be green you can't just let it die and then just expect yeah. to because you're ready to commit to it expect for it to spring to life because you're going to be disappointed when it takes them a while to shake off the years and years of disuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I think they get discouraged when all of it, and they think, oh, well, we were right the whole time, right? He didn't have it. Yeah. He didn't have it. Yeah. Like, well, he did at one point, mm-hmm. but. Well, I mean, and we're almost at three hours here, but so. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to start winding yeah. down soon. The Moxley up it all, right? Like, case in point. Mm hmm. You got a guy. Where he established he could have pushed out different points, he didn't. He was made, he was portrayed in this way, he was humiliated in the segments he was in. 
uh, like being put in that position. Comes back, he's motivated. Right? Yep. The audience is back with him. Let's go under that real quick. You only get so many chances. And then his last, what, five months there, he was like losing to EC3. Yeah. He's getting killed by Drew. He's leaving, like, I get it. But like, you know, the dead behind the eyes thing, where like he's yep. clearly like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And he leaves in one of the most, like, in the least spectacular ways. Like, I think one of his last segments is like, Drew kills him. Yeah. On a table. And he leaves and he shows up. Does does his own again, um, watering? I guess if you want to say, mm-hmm. puts out those videos, mm-hmm. right? He's the Death Rider mm-hmm. in New Japan. Shows up in AEW. Again, this is only like what a month after he was on WWE TV, being as as cold as he's ever been. Yep. The audience is, the audience is with him. Mm-hmm. Does the segment, the run in cold. And he comes comes alive like he's he is who he always was mm-hmm. whether or not they saw it and clearly they didn't see it and he proves he proves that no one there I, I even Baron Corbin I don't really like I don't think anyone there is talentless they all have talents and some of them have really strong talents that could be main event level but again you know audience of one mm-hmm. and if you started, you know, if you kept watering them and, and nurturing them and, and realizing, yeah, some people do have to lose, mm-hmm. but you need to have a story for when they lose. Not everybody can be a priority at the same time, no, but if they're going to be in your garden, you got to water them. Yeah. This has been another, no, it hasn't. This has been the very first episode of Tag Me In, Brother. That was a pillow. That was a pillow. Uh, three hours and 41 minutes later. Three hours and 41 minutes later. I'm. <laughs> Man, fuck you. It's going to be my job to get this down to like an hour ten. We'll see. I tried my best to redirect it at certain times. And then you didn't. Yeah. You were like, all you did was you said, I'm going to have, we have to end it. And then you you brought up 50 other points. (laughs) That's all right. I'll edit it. We'll fix it in post. We'll do it live, goddammit. (laughs) We'll fix it in post. Um, Theme song, I think, unless I change it, is uh, Donovan's Monkey by Blue Oyster Cult. Did you listen to the theme song that I sang you? The one you wait, which one? The one that Demo? I did? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is that blue? I didn't know that was that. It's Blue Oyster Cult. I've never heard a song by them. Well, now you have. Right, let's, before we end off here. Yes. What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of music do I listen to? Like, what, what genre? I thought, you wanted to eat, I thought you wanted to eat lunch. I do, but I need, <laughs> I need the audience to know the differences in what we listen to. Okay, well. I've never listened to Blue Oyster Cult in my life. I like Blue Oyster Cult. Um, Maybe Grateful Dead Guy? No. That's interesting. Why? Because I'm white? Yeah. Do you think all white people like the Grateful Dead? It feels like they do. Okay. Um, Let's see. Um, My taste in music is super weird. I like uh, like a lot of country music from the 80s and early 90s. I like Joe Diffie. Now, that is because I'm white. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to tell me that part. I figured that out. Actually, you know who I really like is uh, Dwight Yoakam. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you regret it? Are you saying these things to get a reaction out of me? Like this? No, is... I actually like Dwight Yoko. Okay. All right. Um, uh, probably my favorite band ever is Electric Six. Oh, that is. Uh, you probably know Electric Six. If you heard of? Can you give me a, what's the song? Uh, Danger, High Voltage. No. No. Gay Bar. 
What? Gay bar? I've been to one. <laughs> I've been a couple, actually. Wow. I don't listen to any of that, so, yeah. No, you're Seth Rollins over here. No, don't even compare me to Seth Rollins. Oh, oh, oh! I, I got your name. What's up? Tyler Brown. Tyler Brown! <laughs> yes! Yes! Yeah, 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 perfect. <laughs> okay. We can also do Alistair Brown. Alistair Brown? Yeah. I like Alistair Black more than Tyler Black, so I'm Alistair Brown. Alistair. There's no, There's no Alistair Black anymore, so I can take that name. Exactly. All right, cool. Uh, Alistair Brown. <laughs> Al Brown. Al Brown. Al Brown. All Brown. You know what? If you turn heel, you could be A-Lister Brown. Because like, I'm, like I'm like a Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Also, me, honestly, me and Alistair, me and Tommy Ann, have way more taste in, in music as similar than, uh, I, that wasn't even a sentence. I have more in common with Alistair Black than I have with Seth Rollins. Okay. We, uh, uh, uh Alistair Black, back, back when he was Tommy Ann, mm-hmm. I believe, he favored a number of my tweets, because we listen to the same thing. I'm not joking. Okay. I would tag him. <laughs> or you're going to tag him? I'd tag him in, brother. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, yeah, so I like a lot of, like, you know. Metal and hardcore and stuff. Do I have to have a, Do I have to have a last name like a? A surname? Yeah, like a, like a working name. Yeah. Huh. Shit, now I gotta think of one. You want to go with your first name still, or? Yeah, I'll go with Matt. Okay. I actually really hate my first name, but you know what? I'm just gonna go with because I don't have another name. You Mark. Mark? No. Because then, because people call me that when they think that's my name. Yeah. It sucks. It does suck. Okay. Yeah, we'll, so we'll so no mics, no marks. <laughs> no Mike's, no Max, no Marks, yeah. Yeah, I've got Max a couple times. Yeah. Come up with a name. Come up with a name? Yeah, can you think of a name right now? You want some time. <laughs> I got nothing. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with one for another day. For now, this is Matt. Al Black. Sorry, Al Brown. <laughs> Alistair Brown. Alistair Black. Should I be Alistair White? <laughs> Al White, Al Brown? No, that's fucking terrible. It would not be great. <laughs> what, what about this for sign off? Okay. Tag me out, brother. How's that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right.